day and this opportunity to be in your house here, Father. And we just thank you for the blessings of being saved and Amen. knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Mm -hmm. Father, as we gather together here this morning around your word, I just ask that you speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that we've already spent time with you preparing our hearts to receive what it is you have for us here today. Father, we think of those that aren't feeling well today. Father, that you'd be with them and encourage them and give them the help and strength they need. We think of the walls also and, and the travels they have coming up, Father, that you would keep them safe and protect them along the way, that you would bless the treatments there for Mrs. Wall that you would encourage their hearts. We think of the Needhams this morning and their needs, Father, to just continue to pray for the radio tower that it would be used to uh, get the gospel out and glorify you. Uh, Father, we pray for the paperwork or the inspections on the airplanes, Father, that you would uh, uh, take charge of that and just help that to be accomplished so those planes could get back in the air and spread your word. And, uh, we, we think of all of our missionaries this morning, Father, that you would just bless them today and encourage their hearts. And, uh, just ask that you bless the time around your work here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Philippians chapter 1. And let's look here at this morning, verse 21. Verse 21. God used Paul to write as this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. So we've been looking at many things here. Uh, we've been under the subject here of trials. How do you explain to someone that, that when we get saved, uh, we still face trials, uh, but that we have the Lord? Sometimes people, uh, sometimes people think, well, if I receive the Lord Jesus as my Savior, I'll never face any more problems in life. Um, well, it's not that we will not face problems, but we have someone uh, that can conquer every problem. That's, that's the difference. So he said in verse 21, therefore, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Many years ago, I saw an elderly couple and uh, both saved, both loved the Lord, but uh, they'd been together many years and sometimes their words for each other were a little... Mm, cross. And, but one of them faced uh, some heart trouble. And it was just amazing because one of them could have easily died right there. And I forget at that point how many years they'd been married, but a long time. And it was quite amazing to behold after that point how their talk to each other drastically changed. Why is that? Uh, because they saw the shortness of life. And so they decided, with God's help, um, to change some things. Uh, many years ago, too, I knew another man that was a professing Christian, um, but he 
most of the time, would not come with his family. His family all knew the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but he would rarely come. And he, he had a problem with one of those worldly habits, and he just, he just had that problem for years and years and years and years. But suddenly he was diagnosed with cancer, of late-stage cancer, and the doctor told him he wouldn't have long to live. And it was amazing the change that came over that man. He began to witness to, other, to others, to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and praise the Lord that he, he did that, but in a very short time, he died. He passed away. The great thing is that he began to tell others about Jesus. The sad thing was is that he waited so long so late in his life, up in years, before that changed. And you know what? God, God can take us and use us. We just need to realize that we don't know how long we have to live. If you hold your place here, turn to me in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We, we, none of us know if we have another day or not. The Bible says in James 4.14, Whereas ye know not what shall be what? On the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's amazing, isn't it, when someone dies, just how fast the time goes. Uh, I think my wife said your mom's been gone three years, almost. Uh, It just seems like yesterday but it's already been almost three years. And the time just goes so fast. Uh, my wife and I was talking about something else, and I said, I think the, the, the number of the years got brought up was like three years or something. And so counting back, um, it looked like it was probably five or more years ago. It's just time goes so quickly. Um, so... As we go back to Philippians 1, the question is this, verse 21, Philippians 1, 21. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Is that really true of us? Is it really true of us that to, for us to live is Christ? In other words, do our days really uh, surround around the Lord Jesus Christ or is it just a Sunday thing? I mean, do our lives really revolve around God or not? Um, does it, or does it just revolve around us, you know, and our problems, our things, uh, whatever? It's so easy in life to just put on a front. Um, notice in uh, John chapter 4, John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 15. John 4, 15. And in this, Jesus has asked this woman, actually, why don't we just go back a little bit here. Um, And let's see, uh, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. 
Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the, unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So normally Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Um, a Jewish person would never ask for a drink from a Samaritan person because the Jewish people would consider their vessels unclean. They would never do it, but that's what Jesus did. He asked this woman for something to drink, some water. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So that's different. He's asking her for a drink. And now she is saying, verse 9, I don't quite understand this why you're asking me for a drink because no Jew would ever ask me for a drink. We're unclean in your eyes. Then Jesus turns it right around. Ma'am, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have been the one asking me for a drink of living water. Verse 11, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall what? Thirst again. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes when you're really thirsty and you take a drink of water, and I've noticed this especially with super cold water, if, if, uh, if I am really thirsty and it's a really hot day and I take a drink of like ice cold water, it's like as soon as I'm done drinking it, my tongue feels thirsty again. It's, it's amazing. Jesus uses this to show this woman, you know, you're coming for water, but you know what? There's a lot of things in life that don't satisfy Oh, yeah, when other people are around, you know, you can laugh and have a good time. But when you're all alone, are you satisfied? Is there still something missing? He said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall what? Never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's one thing when we, when we find the Lord Jesus Christ, he brings us spiritual water. He, he quenches our spiritual thirst. We'll see more about this in the next um, service. But, you know, when we get born again, um, there is just a peace that passes all understanding. Our, our thirst is quenched. Um, if you'd hold your place here and turn to me to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Have you ever noticed how many um, Hollywood people and rock and rollers end up taking their lives? Um, Somewhere, 
something's missing. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in what? Everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Isn't it good that there's someone that's always there to hear and to listen? Um, I tried to call a place this week, was trying to get some things through to it, and I, I kept calling and kept, was busy, 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 busy. I found another number, finally, for them, and someone answered. But aren't you glad with God that his line is never busy? Uh, we can pray, and he always hears. Uh, so we pray, and then in verse 7, this is the result. And the what? The peace of God. And here is what is really special. Which what? Passeth all understanding. Shall keep your hearts and what? Minds through Christ Jesus. There are so many people in this world whose hearts are troubled. Their minds are troubled. um, Because they don't know for sure where they're going to spend eternity. They don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, they see the, what's going on in the world, and they are afraid because it seems like the world is just falling apart. But we know from the scriptures exactly what is happening, exactly what is happening, because it was foretold that would happen just what we are seeing. So if this lady could come to this Jesus, we're going to go back in just a moment, but the peace of God which passeth all understanding. I've seen so many Christians displaying that peace. Uh, Some tragedy has befallen them. Someone has passed away. This or that has happened, and they just seem to have that peace that passes all understanding. Um, Then let's go back there to John chapter 4 then. So, Now we get down to verse 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So she's saying, well, you made your point, sir. Um, I do keep coming back here, and it never quenches my thirst for long. So, yes, I would like this living water. So what does he say? Verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I what? I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, Saidest thou truly. Now, what was going on here? She said she wanted the water, and now Jesus says first, go call your husband. So we're thinking, okay, well, he wants to give the gospel to both of them at the same point. But she answers, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know you don't have a husband. I know you've been married five times, and right now I know um, that you're just living with a man and you're not married to him. I know that. It's like, whoa, how did he know that? Well, it's because God knows 
everything about us, everything. There's nothing we can hide from him. And Jesus is trying to show her that who she's talking to is God in the flesh. That's Jesus. He's almighty God. He knows our every thought. But the woman takes offense at this at first, verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So the Samaritans had their mountain of worship. The Jews had their mountain of worship where the temple was. And so she takes offense. I mean, she should, she should like we should, um, not take offense that God knows all of our sin. What we should do is seek repentance then. Seek to turn from our sin to God because God doesn't. Whether we take offense at him or not, he still knows. And we have to face him someday. So much better to get right with God than to take offense. So, but at first, she does take offense. She says, listen, fella, you know, um, you know, we have our religion. You have yours. That was her answer. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. What is he saying? He's saying, ma'am, you may worship on your mountain. The Jews may worship on their mountain. But going to a mountain does not save anybody. Going to a mountain does not take away a person's sins. Illustrate that with us today. Going to a church building does not take away a person's sin. Um, people may walk into this church building and walk out with all their sins still against them. That may be true of any religious building there is. There's more to it than walking into a building. So, verse 22, he says, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is what? Of the Jews. Of the Jews. Salvation is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. So he lets this lady know, ma'am, you may worship on that mountain, but you're not being told the truth. Verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the what? True worshipers. We, we need, each of us need to ask ourselves that this morning. Are, are we true worshipers of God? So we're not just talking about something on the outside. We're talking about something on the inside. Are we true worshipers? True worshipers shall worship the Father in what? In spirit and in what? Truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. For God, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Here's the question for us. Are we worshiping God in spirit? Now, um, if, if you hold your place here, notice me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll see this actually next service too. But 
Um, just a, a quick mention here. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We are made in the image of God. Um, no, evolution is not true. Uh, we did not evolve from animals. We are made in the image of God. God is three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are three-part uh, beings. Notice 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole what? Spirit, Spirit and what? Soul and what? Body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we'll see next time, I don't want to take too much from the next service, but as we'll see in the next hour, um, when we die, and when anyone dies, they find out we are more than just body. We are also soul and spirit. And we should know this. Children. If you have children, or just, just observe children, or just observe your brothers and sisters, or other people's brothers and sisters, just observe a family. Not everyone in a family is exactly alike. There's something deeper. You can have all the children in a family lined up, and you know what? They don't all have the same personality. You parents know that. Every child is a little different. When you have your first child, and you finally get down, you know, what you need to do and how they respond, you think, okay, it's going to be a lot easier with the second child. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. Uh, the next child is going to have his or her own personality. Well, it may have similarities, uh, but each person is unique. Some children are so easygoing. And, so, and some children are so um, emotional, high-strung. Uh, one child, uh, when rebuked, if a child does something wrong and you correct the child, some children just immediately the tears start flowing. They just, uh, that's, that's just them. Other children, you can uh, correct and They'll stand there and look at you with a face that you know it's not sinking in. Um, it's just not sinking in. Everyone is different. Why is that? Because we are body, soul, and spirit. There's more to us than just meets the eye. There are a third, we see a third of each other, the flesh part. But there's spirit and soul. And so we go back to John chapter 4 here. And Jesus tells her in verse 23, But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So here's the thing. We can put on a front, you know. You know, we can come to church and we can put on a front that, that we love God. We can say what Paul did. For to me, to live is Christ. I've had so many people say to me, I don't know what I would do without the Lord. Um, but is it true? Because oftentimes I've been talking to people, and when they make that statement, it's because I'm visiting them, and it seems like 
God means nothing to them in their lives. Going to church and worshiping God is no part of their lives. Reading the Bible, that's no part of their lives. Praying, that's a very little part of their lives. Um, and yet they say, oh, I don't know what I'd do without the Lord. Is that, did you say that in truth? Jesus tells this lady, ma'am, it's not just once in a while going to your mountain and saying, well, I've got my religion, buddy. Um, that is not worship. God seeks people to worship him in spirit and in truth. I mean, from our hearts. Do we really want to please God and, and know him? Verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Well, now she's not offended. But she's just speechless. She doesn't know what to say with what he has just said. He's got a point. She knows it. He's got a point. It's true. I am not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I'm, I'm living a life of sin. He's, he's got it right. It's true. But I got to get out of this somehow. So she says, I know that Messiah cometh. When he comes, he'll straighten all this out. He'll tell us the truth. What did Jesus say? Verse 26. Jesus saith unto her, what? I that speak unto thee am he. Ma'am, didn't you wonder how I knew all about the history of your life? Didn't you wonder how I knew all about all those sins you've committed? It's because, ma'am, I'm the Messiah. I'm God in the flesh. He said, verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? See, even his disciples come back and they couldn't figure out why Jesus was talking to this Samaritan woman. Normally Jews and Samaritans don't talk. Uh, verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. Now, at that point, you would think, oh, no. Jesus said the truth, but she got offended, and she's walking away, and she'll never be back. But there's a clue here. She left her water pot. She would be back. But she goes away. And we're left in suspense. Okay, well, what is she thinking? Jesus is God. Now she knows that. She knows that he knows everything she's ever done, as with all of us. But what will she do with it now that she knows? Well, let's read on. She goes back, verse 28, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me what? All things ever that I did. Is not this the Christ? Now, did Jesus actually tell her everything she had ever done? No. Then why did she make that statement? Because he told her enough that she knew 
He knew everything about her. If someone were to come to us and tell us um, certain things in our lives from various years that no one would normally know, couldn't we rightfully say then, he knows everything about me? That's true. And that's what she said. She said, come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? What, remember we asked the question, what's she going to do with it? Now she knows, God knows, every one of us, every one of our sins. And she knows this man is God in the flesh. What would she do with it? And that's the question we ask. And now, well, we see. She's saying, verse 20, what's the first word of verse 29? Come. She's already telling people to come to Christ. Now, if she was offended at him, she would have went back to town and said, hey, don't go out to the well because there's a man out there that, you know, talk to me about my sin. So don't go out there because if you go out there, he'll probably do the same with you. No, she says, come see a man. Come. If you're saying, come see someone, What's the difference if, if I say, go see this man at the well, or come see this man at the well? What's the difference? I'm going with him. She was going back. She was going to Jesus. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. They listened to her. You know, it's kind of humiliating, isn't it, when people find out our sin. It's humiliating. But you know what? That didn't stop her. She said, come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do what? The will. the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. <coughs> Excuse me. That both he that soweth, and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Verse 39, and what? Many, Many of the Samaritans of that city, what? Believed on him, that is, believed on Jesus. For the saying of who? The woman. So many of the people in that city, many of the people, the Samaritans who would, would not have any dealings with the Jews, many of those Samaritans believed on Jesus for the saying of the woman, uh, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. That's all she said. 
She went back to town, come see a man which told me all that ever I did. Well, people in town knew that she was a sinner. And those people got to thinking, you know what? If there's a man out there that knows everything she has done in her life, then he knows everything I've done in my life. And I better go get right with him. Like she's going back, I'm going. I am going. Many of them got saved. So the joy is this. When we humble ourselves before God and just confess before him, I have sinned. I have sinned. And before other people admit it, I have sinned against God and against others. That is the heart that finds forgiveness when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Um, Our time is out, but just in closing, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. What a wonderful ending to this story that this lady did not take offense, but that she had come to Christ and he saved her. In Acts chapter 8, um, actually, um, let's go to chapter 16. Chapter 16. Um, that was dealing with, with baptism, and that's, that's later. Um, Acts 16 and verse 29. Acts 16, 29. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to what? Be saved. And they said what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt, what? Be saved in thy house. That's it. Believing that the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to this earth of a miraculous virgin birth, lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross bearing each of our sin, was buried and rose again, proving that his sacrifice paid the price. And if we will turn from our sin to him, we we can't clean ourselves up, but if we'll turn from that life to him, asking him to save us and cleanse us, forgive us, he will. He'll do it. He'll save us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for salvation through Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that when we humble ourselves, as this dear lady did, that you saved her And what an exciting thing that then you saved a whole bunch of people from that city just from her testimony that God knows everything I've done. Lord, please work in our hearts that may we worship you in spirit and in truth. We can't hide anything from you. So Lord, may we just be honest with you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Next service starting about five minutes or so.